Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. It is Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Hope you're all doing well. Itching closer to the weekend. A lot to look forward to going on. Obviously, college football, the NFL, NBA. Obviously, a lot of talk heating up already. Um, so, going to get into that. And then, as of course, you know, as the season gets closer for the NBA, dive into some of the top teams now that were in the playoffs last year. Uh, or getting close to that, so it would be great to break those teams down and uh, you know dive into all those topics. Now, before I get started, um, you know, week four is here in the NFL. Um, I'm sorry, week three, week three um, here in the NFL. And in terms of my record of my picks so far after the first two weeks, you know, I think I've fared better than I thought. Uh, I think I'm 17 and 15 right now in terms of two weeks of my picks. So uh, definitely uh, buy into my picks, I would say. Uh, but like I said, like I said going part of this uh, is really tough. But, um, you know, I want to kick off with talking about week three and the game that's taking place tonight. Um, kick off week three, and that is... Uh, the Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans. Texans are expected to start rookie quarterback uh, David Mills. David Mills, who uh, or I think it's Davis Mills, expected to start uh, with Tyra Taylor out due to injury. Uh, so, uh, kind of a short week, obviously. Usually, here's the home team a lot. Um, now for David Mills, um, you know, he's, you know, obviously from Stanford, had a pretty good career with Stanford. Um, and you look at this game, it's really going to come down to you know, whether or not the Texans are going to be able to get off to a fast start. I think that if they get off to a fast start, they'll have a better chance of winning this game. Um, now, you look at the way that Carolina has played through the first two weeks. You know, they've been uh, really good. Overall, you've seen signs of this offense being what it's supposed to be. Um, this is Sam Donald off the first road game as the Panthers, so you're kind of looking at what he did, his record, you know, the Jets on the road. Uh, Houston has something to kind of uh, hold on to. I mean, you know, it is a home game. They definitely um, came out. Like I said, they played well in that first week one against Jacksonville. Then week two, you kind of saw them kind of lose it in the second half of that game against the Browns. So, the Texans have looked competitive. I give them credit for that. Um, but for this game, uh, going their favor, they're really going to need to get off to a fast start. And that means that Brandon Cooks... Um, Mark Ingram are really going to have to set the tone, uh, help out Davis Mills. Because um, this Panthers defense, obviously, they've been able to play in the back end and really be able to pressure. It's going to come into play. And Houston's going to need to uh, get these guys going early on. I would like to see if they can get more 
of David Johnson involved and Philip Lindsay involved. You know, they got to use some of their running backs that they do have on this roster. You know, all these guys have specific skill sets, good chemistry situations. So, you know, you want to see the Texans come out and try to run the football, try to wear down the Panthers' defense, you know, make them come in, extra safety or defenders to the box, stop the run, and see if Davis Mills has what it takes to, you know, fling it. Obviously, he came in relief um, last week. I think he threw a touchdown and one interception. So he definitely can get in the end zone, but this defense has been uh, so far so good, and you know, I think that this game really just comes down to, you know, can the Panthers kind of take care of business? This is a game that the Panthers should win, right? Because they're going to get some quarterback who's had not ever time to prepare. Look, look at the skill set, the talent around Davis Mills compared to Carolina, you know. I mean, Carolina should come out and take care of business if they are really looking to make a push for the postseason or at least to contend for the NFC South title and you got to care of the games you're supposed to win. So for me this game like Sam Darnold needs to keep up the passing attack score early and often obviously McCaffrey can do it all so get him um, you know give him the ball because McCaffrey can give Houston the defense a lot of problems obviously with his ability to run and receive um, you know if he can get it going, then it'll be a, t- a tough one for the Houston's defense to stay, you know, get off the field. You know, for Houston, it's more about they got to tackle well and be able to execute much better. Um, and this game, like I said, I think Robbie Anderson, you know, Terrence Marshall is a name that I think may get some attention in this game. Uh, you want to see the Panthers wide receivers kind of find themselves a little bit this week. I mean, they have been able to do so the first two weeks, you want to see a little bit more um, from Terrence Marshall or from a DJ Moore if he's playing. Um, you see Robbie Anderson kind of do his thing. So, there are matchups to be won by the Carolina Panthers and it's really up to Sam Darnold and Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, to really challenge Houston on the, on the, on the, at the cornerback spot. And that will be, um, that'll be key. You know, for the Panthers, really, to win this game, they just have to really contain Davis Mills, not let him get in his spots. Make it, make it, make him throw it a lot more than he wants to. You know, put the ball in his hands a lot. You know, the secondary with obviously with Horn and Burris. Um, you know, I think that it bodes well for the Panthers. Obviously, they, that they have just been able to do some nice things with the clock and obviously put together some drives. So. You know, if they can kind of force Davis Mills into some throws he doesn't want to make, they'll have a chance to win this game. So I'll say that the Panthers um, get the victory tonight. Um, I think that it will probably stay close because, you know, obviously a short week and with Houston, um, and they're going to try to make it obviously a game. Um, but the Panthers should win this game. I think that they don't win this game. It's a, kind of a little problematic in my mind. Um, you know, everything says that they should win this game. Um, 
they just really have to come out and just try to enforce their style on you know upon Houston. Um, and I think they'll get it done. I think McCaffrey is going to be a big part of that, um, as well as some of the wide receiving uh, wide receivers, the Panthers. You know, I think that they'll get it done. Um, you know, maybe putting up like 20 plus points or close to that number, and they'll they'll find a way to win. Um, uh, this game in the second half, most likely. I think they'll finish much better than, than, than they have um, and kind of uh, keep it going um, heading into week four. next segment, I want to talk about college football in week four of the 2021 season. So, you know, as we've seen through the first three weeks, there's been obviously quite a shift in the rankings for, you know, college football and, like, how teams are kind of progressing as, you know, games are getting good. So, you look at it, and obviously, Alabama number one, you know, Georgia number two. Know, you have obviously Oklahoma still being there, you know, and then you have the rest kind of following up there, you know. So overall, you're seeing obviously some great performances from a lot of teams. You know, some teams that were in the top ten aren't anymore, like Ohio State and Clemson. It's a long way to go, and obviously some of the matchups. Um, that are taking place like right now, this coming week aren't obviously what we we saw in the beginning. In the beginning, um, but you know it looks promising uh, to see these teams and these players obviously get uh, get up to speed, get get into action a little bit. You know, so um, obviously Oregon has impressed, as I mentioned before. So it's a lot of games that seem like they're going to be pretty easily decided um so i want to talk about three teams that i believe are upset alert this week in college football um i want to start with number seven texas a&m at number 16 arkansas this game is definitely a game which texas a&m is going to really be tested and Texas A&M has played really well so far this season. Obviously, they've dealt with um, you know the quarterback change as well as a recent. Um, but this is a game in which both teams are playing extremely well. Um, I've been very impressed with Arkansas and how they've been playing. Obviously, they've been able to get some signature wins as of late. Or let's just put it this way: they beat Texas right in a game in which Texas was ranked and everything and. You know, look at the way Arkansas is playing. They're, they've been able to really play good in terms of offense as well. Just really being able to find themselves. So it's obviously a home game in which you know they are really good. Um, and look at this game on both sides. I mean, Texas A&M's defense has been pretty solid so far through the first three games. They're going to be tested by an offense that put up 600 yards of offense plus against Georgia Southern. Now, Georgia Southern is obviously an FCS school, not obviously on the level of 
Texas A&M, but, um, you know, you've seen some really impressive performances from uh, the Razorbacks as a whole, as their offense, as their wide receivers. They've been really able to do a good job of just building momentum week to week. And so, you know, the key is how well can, you know, Arkansas score against his A&M defense can they put up touchdowns, can they put up points early and often and kind of have a lead in this game, you know. For Texas A&M, you know, you want to see their quarterback, uh, Zach Kaleda, I think is his name, really be able to just find his spots, play some good football. This game may come down to good, you know, field positioning, how well the teams tackle each other. Um, It's going to come down to that. I mean, it's a really game that can go either way and I think that uh, Texas A&M and their play style whether they've been able to play um, you know it's going to be a game in which you know it could be decided by a couple of possessions you know a couple of a couple of uh, key possessions you know overall so you know I think that will be the that'll be the key is how well do these teams, two teams, kind of, you know, play it out with their offenses being really stout on terms of possessions. Um, so I think that Arkansas has a pretty good chance to win this game if they're able to get ahead and kind of keep Texas A&M playing from behind. The next team that I have an upset alert this week in college football is Notre Dame at number 18, Wisconsin. Now I know I had picked Notre Dame in week one to lose or an upset alert to lose in week one. Uh, they almost did, but uh, look at Texas, uh, look at Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin um, had a rough start to the season, right? They lost to Penn State um, and they've been able to obviously get back on track with the win last week. You know, Wisconsin needs a big win at home. And I think that this is a prime opportunity for them to do so. Obviously, their running game has looked a little bit better um, based on last week's performance. And Look at Notre Dame's quarterback, Jack Cohen. He is playing his former team. Um, you know, Jack Cohen was with Wisconsin last season before he I think he got hurt or he had an injury or something along those lines. He, he transferred out of Wisconsin. So Wisconsin is very familiar with Jack Cohen because they obviously have seen him up close last year. And so this game really comes down to me saying that Notre Dame, obviously their offense that they run is completely different from Wisconsin, but just having familiarity with Jack Cohn and how his play style could be, I think you can see Wisconsin play a really good game overall. Um, I think they'll find a way to get pressure, you know, but Wisconsin can't get into a shootout with, with Notre Dame. They have to keep this game relatively close, and that will really involve their running game being, being the, you know, the emphasis of that. They can run the football kind of keep Notre Dame's offense off the field. Um, I think that'll be great. And obviously how they manage the clock, how they manage their drives. I think Wisconsin can pull off, pull off the upset this week. You know, they get off to a good start and get a much better pass rush from, um, this time around. And they need a big win. I think they need a big win to kind of keep their season going um, in the Big Ten. So I think they'll find a way to get this one, maybe. In a close one down the stretch, and finally, this is a, it's a big stretch, but a team that should be on upset alert. We're going by that, right? 
I think that number 19, Michigan, um, is on upset alert. You have Rutgers taking on Michigan this week. And look, Rutgers has obviously started off 3-0 for the first time since 2012. They could make the game interesting. All right, everything points to Jim Harbaugh not letting his team sleep on Rutgers. I mean, Michigan has played relatively well. You saw, saw them win some games early on now. Their true tests are still yet to come. But this is a game in which, you know, you've seen some good performances from, uh, you know, the Rutgers quarterback, Noah Verdell. Um, you know, if he could just find ways to do what he did last week, kind of score some touchdowns, Rutgers can, you know, find a way to get some touchdowns early on, they may have a chance to win this game. Now, Michigan's defense has really uh, been great. Their running game has been obviously better. You know, it's a game in which Michigan should win, and Jim Harbaugh knows he has to win, considering all the kind of shortcomings he's had as Michigan head coach the last two or three seasons. Um, so, you expect Michigan to take care of this game fairly easily. They might do so, um, but like I said, with the Rutgers, with Rex Schiano now being back, I mean, it's a little bit different in my mind. I think it will be a competitive game. And the question is, can Rutgers kind of keep up and make it close? And make, it, make it close towards the end. Uh, it could be an interesting finish. So I'll say that, you know, my three teams on upset alert, you know, I think Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Michigan, three teams that I think that definitely, definitely are going to be upset alert this week. I need to find a way to take care of their business, or else there'll be a whole lot of shakeup uh, in the in the top ten of the college football rankings. Not so the other games this week. I mean, like I said, off the top, I expect Alabama to win easily over UMass, Georgia to win over Vanderbilt on the road, Penn State as well should be able to take care of Villanova at home, Iowa same thing over Colorado State. Oregon, obviously hosting Arizona. I see that being in Oregon's favor. And then I think Oklahoma is going to be able to take care of West Virginia. So I don't expect, you know, any of the teams um, that I mentioned to lose. Uh, in terms of the way they will be ranked, I will say that um, just looking at Oklahoma and Oregon, they're three and four right now. I mean, I think that those way the margin of victory, the style of victory that these two teams will have this week, you may see them swap places. You know, I think Oregon could move up. Oregon could, you know, if Oregon obviously doesn't have that kind of, they have a close game or, or whatever. They may drop a, a couple spots in the sand. So at this point, it comes down to obviously there there are big games coming up in the schedule for both teams. Uh, but as of this game right now, it's going this week. It's all about style points and style way of victory. So that'll definitely come into play um, as the college football committee decides their rankings as the season rolls on. this next segment, I want to continue with my NBA 2021-2022 season previews. Talk about two teams that um, are definitely trending in the right direction. Um, 
and just looking at one of these teams, uh, you know, a new head coach uh, coming in. So it's going to be interesting to see how that coach does and what he'll be able to do with a superstar um, in his prime, trying to get uh, them back to being competitive even more so than they used to be. So I want to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies first. Memphis Grizzlies uh, finished at the eighth seed last year. Uh, made the playoffs. They lost obviously in the first round in five games to the Utah Jazz. Uh, Memphis, you know, did have their fair share of injuries last season. There were certain key players that missed some time, um, but John Morant. Um, Really was sensational uh, down the stretch of the season, especially in that uh, game at Golden State in order to uh, get to the uh, postseason, I believe. Yeah, that was, you know, a really great game overall. And you just look at the Memphis Grizzlies, they've been a little bit active in this offseason. Uh, they did, did make some trades bring over a couple of players to help bolster their lineup a little bit, their bench, you know. They've got, a, you know, a nice group of guys on this roster. Obviously, Moran is the key for everything to work as, you know, being able to be, you know, defensively, you've seen the Grizzlies be there in the top five, top six always. Um, their shooting obviously has been um, a concern at times, you know, but with head coach Taylor Jenkins uh, his first year. They played fairly well. I mean, we saw a lot of guys get um, you know, pro- you know, progress in certain areas. You know, and that's going to be the key for Memphis is being able to be consistent now in offense, especially in the execution in late close games, having you know, Moran take the last shot um, you know, possibly. And they really just keep trying to build around um, the strengths of, of of him and what he can do. So, you look at what they have. Obviously, Dylan Brooks, a really good defender and player. Uh, Kyle Anderson as well. You know, getting Jaron Jackson back uh, for a full healthy season, that would be great if they can have him because he's obviously a huge part of, of their future and he's got to be able to play like it as well to be remain part of their future. So it's a lot like about Jaron Jackson and his game and how he can kind of be that kind of big that they, they need him to be at this season. You know, they did trade um, from the Celtics for Carson Edwards, a point guard. You know, behind Moran, obviously, uh, they've got a couple of good point guards and I think Chris Dunn and Chris Edwards. So I think that will bode well, obviously, for Moran. Um, because, you know, obviously when he goes out of the game, then having that shooting, having that spacing is really important. And I think that Edwards is a player that definitely going to get a lot of um, attention, a lot of uh, opportunities this year, a lot of minutes to play. So I think I'll make the most of it. Look at Jared Culliver. He was brought over. Um, you know, he was brought over, um, you know, via trade. And I think you have obviously another center as well. So. Memphis, obviously, uh, after losing um, Valchunas, I think, to, um, 
to free agency, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Uh, and they got Steven Adams there, so I think that will be that will be a good uh, good addition for this team overall. Um, main thing for Memphis, although, is obviously just trying to build upon last year's success and be able to try to get out the first round. I mean, it's been a challenge uh, for them to do that in a while. You know, obviously they had their own. You know, they had their their shortcomings the last few years. So you just want to see them kind of stay right where they are, try to get back to the postseason, and, and try to win some more games and get to the second round. You know, that'll be the key for them. Is just being able to uh, stay um, afloat. And I think a name to watch for them is Desmond Bain, shooting guard. I think he has some good potential. Um, you know, and if the second unit can be a little bit more stronger. I think they'll be able to uh, do fairly well. Um, their defense, like I said, off the top, top, I think that will keep them obviously right there in the mix. Um, it's going to be hard to see them uh, being able to like, you know, make a deep run unless they obviously can swing some more pieces for trades. But you know, they're believing the young core here. Uh, you just want to continue to see some excellent things from them overall and said John Moran has to keep on emerging as a big time talent, a big time player they need him to be um, you know, I think that that would be very very important overall, I could see the Memphis Grizzlies finishing somewhere in the 7 to 8 range, I think they'll be right back in the spot again they were last season um, and I think that they'll, you know, be uh, a little bit better in terms of shooting this year. I think they'll, you'll see a much more improved overall around second unit this year for the Memphis Grizzlies. So now I want to talk about the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards um, have a new head coach in Wes Unsell Jr., uh, one of the most highly respected and known assistant coaches uh, in the NBA for a while. Obviously, he's been a lot of time. Um, a lot of clubs, most notably the Denver Nuggets, the past six years, if I remember correctly. And so the Wizards went through, obviously, an up-and-down season last year with the whole Westbrook situation and whether or not Bradley Beal was going to be there long-term. And you saw the Wizards have a good start to their season. Some guys really struggled. They went through a lot of losing periods. This question about Bradley Beal maybe not being there long-term. And then all that kind of came uh, to where the Wizards played their best basketball. You saw them make the postseason last year, you know, win that playing tournament game. Uh, they lost in 5-2 Philadelphia, but, you know, you saw them at least make it there after a while. And now the whole thing is that they kind of revamped their roster where and they traded Westbrook to the Lakers, you know, to get Kuzma, to get KCP, to get Harrell. Um, so the Wizards kind of went all in on trying to get some, uh, you know, Good shooters, obviously trying to keep their, uh, you know, their big, their big spots there, you know, with with Bryant and you now with Montrez Harold, who obviously had a tough time fitting in last year with the Lakers with injuries and just not being able to uh, play a whole lot. I mean, Montrez Harold gets a fresh start now, uh, where he will get a lot more minutes, play and shine. 
Uh, Kyle Kuzma is definitely someone you want to see kind of find his footing. Obviously, the Lakers kind of you know got tired of his performances last year. He wasn't really producing as well. And you know whether it just be the way the offense was run or not, but Kuzma is a really good player. Uh, played alongside Bradley Beal. It's going to be great to see how he does overall. Um, you know, the KCP provides them some shooting. So Washington as a whole, they've you know they've addressed some key spots in terms of bringing over some veterans along with Bradley Beal, right? And now it's just all about you know how West on is going to kind of coach this team, can he get the most out of this group is the question. You know, for me, although for the Washington Wizards, you know, they finished 34-38 last season. Um, there are a couple of key players that I think really struggle and have to do a better job this season. And that, one is Davis Bertans, who was obviously signed to that big contract during the NBA bubble. Great player, kind of struggled quite a bit last year with on and off kind of games. And then their draft pick and Denny at uh, Abija. I mean, they've got to get more out of him as well. You know, it's all about their perimeter shooting being much better and being able to kind of defend and you know make it a little bit tougher for their opponents. So the Wizards definitely need to do that big time. Obviously, Bradley Beal is going to still lead this team in scoring um, and points and obviously everything else. But you know, Bradley Beal, you know. Obviously, he has committed to being in Washington. He wants to be there. I mean, I don't see him leaving, but he could go anywhere and be an instant help to a contender. Uh, whole question is, you know, will the Wizards be patient all, you know, with West Sell Jr.? Will they be able to see the progress they have to see from their players overall? It's going to be very, very important for them to do that. Um, Look, Bradley Beal obviously is a superstar, can score, can do it all. Um, you know, they got him some help this time around this season. Obviously, the point guard situation, um, like I said, it's one that's going to be interesting to watch how they kind of make it work. Um, but, you know, the Wizards do have a couple of more guys who can probably help some of the younger ones on the rosters kind of fit in, get some more spacing, get some more shooting. Um, so I think this is a big season for Bertans and for their draft pick. Um, you know, but more importantly, like you just want to see, you know, Kyle Kuzma um, kind of become that second kind of, uh, you know, running mate to Bradley Beal. And if he can do that, then they have something there in Washington, which head coach Wes Unsell Jr. will be able to really maybe, maybe uh, get more out of and does these in conference like I said they they probably will finish somewhere uh, in the six seven seven eight spot um, you know they they may finish that way um, but like I said Indiana Charlotte are pretty good so they have a lot of work to do before uh, you know I can say they they're gonna make that that seed but they will be in the mix I think they will uh, find themselves again in a playing tournament spot uh, the real question is can we get more out of some of the younger pieces on this roster that kind of, you know, didn't underperform last season, and like I said, however this team does, um, it's, it's kind of like season to season, because to me, I think that Bradley Beal obviously has said so many times he's committed to being in Washington, but I think every year 
uh, you know, of his prime now, if they enter into like the late stages of it. I mean, you just want to see if he's actually going to be able to win anything there long term. And at some point, will he get that kind of competitive-ish to win a championship? And if he does want that, you know, will the Wizards be able to keep him happy or will they actually end up trading him? So, Bradley Beal, as much as he has saying he wants to be there in Washington and do the right way and all that, I mean, let's see how long it lasts because, you know, he obviously was on board with his new head coach coming in, uh, in West Engineer, and hopefully he's able to uh, produce better and get this team to play at a higher level up more consistently um, so they can be in a better spot this season where they don't have to actually play in the play-in tournament game. He's just said then done. Um, but it's a lot of obviously good teams that have improved in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Wizards definitely, with what they have right now, they definitely have improved their chances of matching up with some teams um, and having a better shot at those teams, especially Philadelphia, if Ben Simmons doesn't play this season.